It's philosophy talk. Some unelected activist judge has rejected stop and frisk on the bizarre theory that minorities have a constitutional right not to be stopped at random and manhandled by strangers. Isn't racial profiling just an expression of our implicit biases? It's human nature to react to new objects on the basis of visible traits and past experiences. The program is not about color. It's about friskability. Even the most liberal, left-leaning, free-thinking, non-racist people suffer from implicit biases. I don't see color, not even my own. People tell me I'm white, and I believe them because I don't get frisked. Our guest is Linda Alcar, author of Visible Identities, Race, Gender, and the Self. You might be the only person in the galaxy who is able to imagine a raceless human being. Racial profiling and implicit bias, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Janan Ismail, sitting in today for John Perry, who's out of the country. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken is a professor of philosophy. And where Janan is visiting, working on a book at the Center for Advanced Study in Behavioral Sciences. She, too, is a professor of philosophy from the University of Arizona. Go Cats! Today we're talking about racial profiling and implicit bias. You know, Janan, I hate racial profiling. I hate it when police single out random people for suspicion based on nothing but their appearance, their ethnicity, their race, their national origin. It's a terrible practice. Not surprised to hear that, Ken. But I'm curious, what is it that you object to? Is it the racial part or the profiling part? Well, it's obviously the racial part. I, I, I could imagine that criminal profiling of a sort is, is a useful tool for law enforcement. you ever watch uh, the TV show Bones? Yeah. I, I, I love that show. And I especially love the character Sweets. He's, he's a profiler, but he's a scientific profiler. He comes up with these really detailed profiles to help them solve all these crimes. They're based on all kinds of things. Race may be a consideration, personality traits. The sound of the voice when the guy's talking about the, the crime, his relationship to the victim. It's, it's cool and it's scientific, unlike your ordinary racial profiling. So phrase is just one of the factors in a complex profile. You think that's legitimate. But when it's the only factor, somehow that makes it problematic? Uh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, so would any police profile that relied on a single factor be problematic in the same way? Or is it just race? Uh, I'm not sure I'm following you. Well, what about gender? With certain crimes, especially violent ones, we automatically assume that they're committed by men. I know, for example, if I'm walking down the street at night and I see a group of men and a group of women, I'm probably not going to be afraid of the women, but I might be expected, appropriately so, to cross the street to avoid the group of men. Uh, I, I get your point. I see a certain wisdom of that. I would probably recommend to my wife or my daughter that they, they, they do the same, but I think you're trying... To lay a trap for me here, Janan. You're, you're trying to get me to say, well, if it's legitimate to be more wary of someone simply because they're male, well, why not because they're black or Latino or, or Middle Eastern? It's, that's what you're trying to get me to say, right? Exactly. It's not that there's only a single factor that makes racial profiling questionable. It's something else. 
So let me ask you another question. If we didn't live in a racist society, would you still have a problem with racial profiling? Oh, Jeanette, there wouldn't be any racial profiling if we didn't live in a racist society. Racial profiling is nothing but our deeply rooted uh, stereotypes and prejudice being triggered by the other. That's the problem with it. It's just a form of racism in action. Really? That's an awfully strong claim, Ken. Well, yeah, it's a strong claim, but you know what? It's true. I mean, think about, it's borne out by experience. Think about Trayvon Martin or, or Michael Brown or hundreds of others I could name. Why, why were they gunned down, Janan? They were gunned down simply for being wild black. That was their crime. Look, I'm certainly not trying to defend abuse of police practices, but I'm still wondering what exactly you think the problem with racial profiling is. Is it that it's a symptom of a racist society? Is it that it reinforces racist institutions? Or is it something different? The reason needs to be articulated because it makes a difference to how the problem gets addressed. I, I, I take your point. And, you know, one of the things that makes it so hard is that people are unaware of what they're doing when they do this. You know, that police officer who pulls over a black guy driving in a rich white neighborhood because he looks, well, out of place. And he may not think he's being racist. He may think, well, he's got these good antennas. He's been at this for years, and he knows how to identify suspicious-looking character. But really, really, it's just his, his implicit biases being triggered by the other, the black other. That's all it is. So you make it, when you put it that way, you make it sound like a bad thing. Well, it is a bad thing, Janan. But isn't so much of how we all read other people done unconsciously as a matter of necessity? It's not just police. So think of a doctor. An experienced doctor can be expected to have finely tuned instincts for recognizing subtle cues that he's seen before, built up on the basis of years of experience. So what's the difference between these kinds of educated gut instincts and what you're calling implicit bias. Uh, well, for one thing, I trust my gut. I probably trust your gut, too. Uh, and as you suggest, a gut can be, gut instincts can be educated by real experience. But an implicit bias, that's just when a culturally induced stereotype is triggered by the black other or, or the Hispanic other. It's not based on any real information. It's just ignorant prejudice in action. Good. Now I feel like we've got something to sink our teeth into it. What precisely is implicit bias? And to give us even more to chew on, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Natalie Jones, to investigate the widespread tendency to racially profile. She files this report. I define racial profiling as the use by law enforcement officials of race or ethnicity or national origin or any similar kind of construct as a basis for suspicion. Jack Glazer teaches psychology at UC Berkeley's School of Public Policy, where he focuses on prejudice and stereotyping. He approaches his research with the idea that law enforcement officers are just regular people doing a difficult job, and sometimes their personal biases get in the way. Racial profiling happens when those biases take over. In order to make snap judgments about who should be investigated, they rely on thoughts in their heads. And some of those thoughts are, and some of the most prevalent thoughts are stereotypes associating blacks in particular and Latinos with crime and aggression. The debate over racial profiling in America was reignited with the Trayvon Martin case and the uproar over stand your ground laws. Now, another law is coming under intense national scrutiny, and that is stop and frisk. 
With policies like New York City's stop and frisk, race isn't explicitly part of the practice. But people get worried when laws or policies seem like they might make it easier to target a certain group and harass innocent people. All of the officers out there and their supervisors, I think sincerely are opposed to the idea of racial profiling, so there's already a de facto ban on it. We're going to continue to do our job. I'm confident that law enforcement uh, will not racial profile like I've been accused of. That's Joe Arpaio, sheriff of Maricopa County, Arizona, whose office was found guilty of racial profiling by the Justice Department in 2011. It's really a question of how do you prevent people from doing it since it's normal human cognition. But not everyone is necessarily against profiling. In a recent Rasmussen poll, 49% of respondents said profiling is necessary in today's environment, and public figures sometimes come out as proponents. The radical Muslims are the people that, that are committing these crimes, as we've, uh, by, by and large, as well as younger males. I mean, these are things that, uh, not exclusively, but these are things that you profile to, uh, to, to find your best, uh, the most likely candidate. That's former Republican Senator Rick Santorum in a presidential debate in 2011. It's based on stereotypes. Peter Shuck is a law professor at Yale. And while he does not support racial profiling, he does support profiling in some contexts. He says there's a difference. We use stereotypes all the time, and life could not proceed unless we did use stereotypes, given our limited information and our need to make decisions. By his definition, profiling means taking many factors into account when deciding who to single out, like clothing, age, gender, and yes, sometimes including race and national origin. One situation where Shuck thinks profiling makes sense is in airports. There are thousands of people walking through the airport, and they're trying to find a needle in a haystack, and uh, that's very, very difficult to do. So it would be surprising if they didn't rely to some extent on the person's appearance or the, or the ethnic generalizations that are applied to people from that region. The public has also been more tolerant of profiling in this situation. But Shuck only advocates for using profiling as a way to single people out for questioning. And then engage in a conversation with him or her and obtain more information about that individual. And then uh, after that, they don't have to and shouldn't rely on profiling. But psychologist Jack Glazer says even using profiling in a restrained way can have a high social cost. I don't think we should underestimate the stigmatizing, stressful, uh, disenfranchising, and alienating experience of being subjected to extra scrutiny um, because of one's group membership. Glazer believes we need to standardize police work as much as possible. Wherever practicable, reduce the discretion of officers in their determinations of who's suspicious and who they should be subjecting to differential law enforcement. Reversing the deeply ingrained stereotypes in our heads is really difficult, maybe impossible. But creating safeguards and learning to recognize our biases could keep us from using those stereotypes in destructive ways. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Natalie Jones.